Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before God, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to unreachable heights to us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed, as before, all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, ignorance, all of this. Let it depart from the tents of your holy nation and stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. May this service be presented into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. The book of Matthew 5:45 and 48 that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called, Called to Perfection. To be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, it is necessary to cast off our old man with his deeds, to renew our mind with the spirit of our mind, and after that begin the process of clothing ourselves into the resurrection of Christ, that is, into our new person. Only then will we be able to understand the essence of the perfection of the Heavenly Father. Not having cast off our old man, not having a renewed mind, we will not have any understanding we will just be foolish, carnal men who will think that they are going to heaven when they're actually going to hell. Because to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect means to shine your light, your sun, upon the righteous and unrighteous as God does, the Father does. He warms and gives life. The warmth of the Holy Spirit, He warms the chosen by God remnant, the righteous, but the rest who overfill the churches of Christ, he destroys with this fire, with this light of the sun, because it does not just warm, it also kills. The rays of the sun can be healing and can be destructive. God loves the righteous and hates the lawless, the wicked. And so if he hates them, then he can't bless them with his son or with his reins. 
And so we are given this great commandment to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. And this commandment is the inheritance of saints of all times and generations, and it is addressed by Christ strictly <clears throat> to His students. Therefore, people who do not acknowledge over themselves the authority of the person sent by God and who choose by the matter of voting democratically, that's how they choose their leaders who would deceive them, have no part and are not partakers of the inheritance contained in this commandment. They never have been, and it is doubtful that they will ever be able to, as it relates to fulfilling this commanding order to be vigilant over the word of God within our heart as God is vigilant over his spoken word within the temple of our body we stop to study the growth of the tree of life in the good soil of our heart which produces its fruit 12 times a year we've noted that the tree of life grown in the Eden of our heart is the fruit of our spirit demonstrating itself in our gentle or meek mouth capable of demonstrating the love of God agape first to God and second to your neighbor a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit, Proverbs 15.4. If you can imagine for yourself how uh, they interpret the tree of life, people physically think that they will be allowed into a paradise where there's a tree of life and they will eat, as it is written, who uh, keeps my uh, commands they will have the the right to enter into the paradise. This is actually fruit that we need to produce that we together will eat with God. We need to understand that a gentle tongue demonstrating itself in the love of God, and this is not emotion but responsibility demonstrated in specific uh, words which are, are then accompanied by acts which discipline the emotions and lead them in the direction of the confessed by us words just like our own horse. Keeping the commandments in which we are called to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit in the meekness or gentleness of our tongue will testify within our heart that we have crucified our flesh with its lusts and passions because the fruit is the result of uh, the sowing process. And to sow, you need to sow always with tears. You reap with joy, but you sow with uh, tears carrying our cross with the cross of Christ where we die for our nation, the house of our Father, and for the destructive desires of our of our flesh, which we have cloaked into pseudo-righteousness. We don't even realize that we are just uh, doing it for show, but as soon as you uh, move the water a little bit, you stir the water a little bit in the cup, all of the mire from the bottom of the cup goes up, and you and you see that no good is there. And so people convince themselves they're godly, they, they fear God, they love God. If you uh, fear God, you would have submitted yourself under the strong arm of the Lord. But to do this, you need to <clears throat> die in the, in the death of the Lord Jesus uh, through the law, for the law, to live for the one who died for you and resurrected. <clears throat> Which is why people who are filled with God's love They are a, a fatal odor of death for one and for other people a life-giving fragrance. 
Therefore, by following God's commandments, we demonstrate our love to God and to our neighbor, and doing so, we demonstrate light in the in the Lord and behave as children of light. And to examine ourselves as to whether we have truly crucified our flesh with its lusts and its passions by collaborating the carrying of our cross with the cross of with the truth of the cross of Christ, we have been studying the image of the fruits of our spirit in feasts and events abiding within our heart in the format of the 12 months of the holy year, which identified the tree of life, containing the inheritance of the blood of Christ. The feasts that were in Israel, they are God's promises. These are, feasts are the, of the Lord. These contain God's promises. <clears throat> and to partake in this imperishable inheritance of the treasure of the blood of Christ, we are called to build ourselves into the twelve pearly gates, which contain the twelve principles testifying of the collaboration of the carrying of our cross with the truth of the cross of Christ, because a pearl is the result of the suffering of a mollusk when in a foreign particle uh, ends up inside this mollusk, it can't take it or push it out. And so she suffers, and this suffering produces this nacre, which then coats this foreign particle into nacre. And so the scriptures uh, bring forth pearly gates, so we build ourselves into these pearly gates <coughs> because our body is this foreign particle. Our spirit, it is inherent to God but <clears throat> it is in this foreign to it body. It, it is incorrupt and immortal, but our body is corrupt and mortal, and our spirit suffers because this foreign particle is in it, and it, it, it can't rid itself of it, and it needs to somehow save this body because if he doesn't save the body, he will uh, perish himself. The spirit needs to save the soul, and by saving the soul, you save the then using the soul, save the body. And so, what does the spirit do? It, it begins to coat it with this nacre in suffering. Although uh, in the body, the good isn't living, <clears throat> he prompts our soul that we uh, count ourselves dead to sin, living for God, and proclaim the not existent stronghold of incorruption in our body as existing. And when we do this, we then clothe our body, coat our body into this nacre and become <clears throat> these 12 pearly gates. I won't be looking <clears throat> at the uh, 12 principles of carrying our cross with the cross of Christ in detail right now, but we have done this and we will, of course, bring, uh, we will remind us of these things again, I'm sure later in other sermons. <clears throat> To partake in this imperishable inheritance of the treasure of the blood of Christ is possible when we build ourselves into the twelve pearly gates. Studying the feasts and events consisting in every new month of the year, this is symbolically, in every new month of the year there's a feast and it contains a promise. We note that the Old Testament identifies new as the symbol of the future which was to be revealed in the New Testament, where a person is called to receive justification by the gift of the grace of God, independent of the law of Moses, which only yields wrath. 
On the other hand, identifying the word new indicates the resurrection of life in our body, in the fruit of the tree of life grown by us in the good soil of our heart. In a specific format, as much as God has allowed and according to the measure of our faith, we already studied the first the, fr- the fruit of our spirit in the form of the tree of life grown by us in the Eden of our heart in the first four months of the Holy Year and stopped to study the, f- the fruit of our spirit in the new fifth month, which we are called to produce to God so that we be in accordance to we be in accordance with the image of the perfection of our Heavenly Father. The tree of life in the form of <clears throat> the fruit of the fifth month, which we will be, we have been studying, and the fruit of our spirit, fell somewhere in the middle of July or August. <clears throat> this is the month of Av. In Israel, in the ninth day of the fifth month Av, they observed a fast in remembrance of the destruction of the Temple of Solomon by Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, servant of the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. After the destruction of the temple, the chosen by God land promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants by faith received the opportunity to celebrate or enjoy its Sabbaths. The temple of Solomon did not allow the land of Israel the ability to enjoy its Sabbaths, its peace, to find rest in God and that God find rest in this land. The name Nebuzaradan means Nebu provides descendants, taking Jerusalem by storm. Nebuzaradan, obeying the command of the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar, immediately made sure to free the prophet Jeremiah from the guard or control of the Jewish king Jehoiakim. Because Jeremiah said that before the coming or rise of the king of Persia, the word of the Lord uh, states that the, to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths, as long as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbaths to fulfill seventy years. Second Chronicles thirty six twenty one. First, at the command of King Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuzaradan, the Babylonian captain of the guard, offered Jeremiah protection from the Jewish king and his princes who wanted to kill him because of the prophecy that he gave stating that God is giving all the kingdoms of the earth to King Nebuchadnezzar. Second, Jeremiah was given royal nourishment and absolute freedom to remain in Jerusalem or to follow the Israelite captives to Babylon, but he would be a privileged citizen of the Babylonian Empire. The name of the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar means Nebuchadnezzar the rights of secession. He turns to his God and says, preserve the rights of secession. And this God uh, was as the mind. How do we know this? Because the Babylonian king, which the Babylonians considered the patron or protector of science, art, and writing, was Nebu. And prote- uh, science, art, and writing, this is all linked to the, to the mind of man. The name of this God was given to Mount Nebo. And it is from the top of this mountain that God showed Abraham a beautiful view or magnificent panorama of Palestine. From this very mountain, the Lord showed Moses the promised land. This is also information, and God, in the form of uh, his writing, gave the people his law. It wasn't just the Babylonians that worshipped this God. They didn't understand it accurately. 
And they looked at this Mount Nebo. Upon this mountain, God gave his law, writing it or carving it upon these tablets. The name of the Babylonian king Nebu also includes worshipping your personal and intellectual abilities, which we can see in the testimony of King Nebuchadnezzar himself, who although acknowledged the authority of the God of Israel over himself, he at the same time continued to trust upon the abilities of his own mind. At the end of the twelve months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon, the king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? Daniel 4.29.30 As soon as he said these words, he was struck by God with, uh, with, a, with a... He he was transformed into a creature. He had claws like a bird. His body began to be, was covered with with fur and he ate uh, in the fields like an animal does his body was uh, became wet or his uh, hair with with dew they didn't kill him they left this wild beast uh, uh, they left him alone how he was he was such a wise and great king they were in awe of his, his greatness and his mind, and suddenly at, uh, this he turned into this creature. The destruction of the Temple of Solomon by Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard of King Nebuchadnezzar, whom the Lord called his servant. It's interesting. God called him his servant. He did not call Jehoiakim his servants. They were his enemies, but... King Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar, he called them his servants. And it had a unique character demonstrated in the fact that the, that the destruction of the temple was the command of the Most High for the Babylonian King Nebuchadnezzar. He was fulfilling the will of God Most High. He knew the God of Israel better than the Jewish King Jehoiakim. And God allowed uh, by the prophecy of Jeremiah that Nebuchadnezzar destroy the temple and he would give all of the kingdoms into his hand and he told them to take the Israelites captive and bring them into Babylon and he he did fulfill that therefore thus is the Lord of hosts because you have not heard my words behold I will send and take all the families of the north says the Lord and Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon my servant, and will bring them against this land, against its, its inhabitants, and against these nations all around, and will utterly destroy them, and make them an, a, an astonishment, a hissing, and a perpetual desolation. Jeremiah 25, 8, 9. Therefore the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, did the will of God, and unlike the king of the Jews and his princes, Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar treated the God of Israel as well as the prophet Jeremiah with reverent respect. We see this in the prayer of the Babylonian king where he, after the decision by the decree of the watchers and, and the sentence of the holy ones which were completed over him, he finally stopped trusting in the abilities of his mind and acknowledged the unquestionable authority of the mind of the Most High God over himself in the form of Prophet Daniel, whom he named Belshazzar. 
This decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the words of the holy ones, in order that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, gives to whomever he will, and sets over it the lowest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, and I have seen. Now you, Belshazzar, declare its interpretation, since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the Spirit of the Holy God is in you. Daniel 4, 17, 18. The Watchers and the Holy One, these are two names out of a total of 50 names of the Most High God, taking part in protecting the sovereign rights of His mind, which the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit possess. The head is God Himself, as well as the mind of Christ that is within our spirit. A combination of these two names of God indicates the fact that God is vigilant in the temple of our body, vigilant over His Word, which we have concealed in our hearts, so that it be fulfilled. We have concealed uh, them in our hearts and we are vigilant over it, so it be fulfilled in the, in the time that He has appointed. Uh, where the image of the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, represents the function of our mind by the means of which our body is governed. If you imagine for yourself, the Babylonian king represents the renewed mind. First, he represented the carnal mind, but it was anointed. He was a servant of the Lord because God can't do anything to save us from ourselves only through our mind but our mind is not capable it's not renewed but still God in his anger anoints our mind just like he anointed Saul in his anger until we through the law die for the law and rise in a new way in a new form when our mind is renewed and now this is King Nebuchadnezzar with a renewed mind after he was healed therefore to collaborate with these two names of God Most High It is necessary for us to be vigilant in prayer over the words of the Lord, concealed within our heart, just as God is vigilant over His word in the temple of our body, so that it be fulfilled at the time He decides, which upon practice means, when confessing the faith of God concealed within our heart, we need to not damage the word of God, as many do, perverting the meaning of the word of God and ascribing the regalia of God to their own mind. And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored Him, who lives forever, when His mind returned to Him. For His dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing and he does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, What have you done? And at the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me, and I was restored to the kingdom, and excellent majesty was abided to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of Heaven. All of those who work the truth and His ways are just. Daniel 4.34-37 Unlike the Jewish king and his princes, King Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, deeply believed and trembled before the God of Israel and obeyed the prophetic words of Prophet Jeremiah. 
And so Nebuchadnezzar is a symbol of our will. And then uh, Nebuchadnezzar is first our carnal mind and then transformed into our renewed mind. And so obeying the prophetic words of Prophet Jeremiah, they first destroyed the Temple of Solomon. Listening to his words, they first destroyed the Temple of Solomon, and second, they took the sons of Israel captive, according to the words of Prophet Jeremiah, and Nebuchadnezzar took them to Babylon and selected from among them young men that were of noble and royal blood. He placed Daniel to rule over his palace, and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, he, at the request of Daniel, placed them over the entire country. <clears throat> and so over his great empire <clears throat> that uh, still has left its mark that even today is being studied today in, in awe and so Jews were the ones that were in control that were taken captive and they governed the land they were uh, freed they weren't they were not as uh, the remaining uh, in people that were uh, taken captive, they were they were uh, governors. He called Daniel Beshazzar. It means may God protect or keep the king. He knew that through him, God will keep the kingdom. We are studying Daniel and Jeremiah too, the prophets. This is our new person, and. Because of this new person, if he will be in the right state and the lamp will burn brightly, then our mind will be preserved. And so he says, may God protect or keep the king. And Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, he called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their names contain the functions of the sun, moon, and stars, which were to differentiate the day from the night and uh control uh, all the all of the world considering this before destroying the temple they used or they using the hands of the priests of the temple brought all of the sacred vessels of the temple and with special trembling and care delivered them up to Babylon placing them into the royal treasury for safe safekeeping until by the words of Jeremiah 70 years are completed and the land finishes enjoying all of her Sabbaths the priests who were responsible for the order of the temple whose calling it was to bring the chosen by God land into a Sabbath peace so that she can clothe she can clothe with her peace the descendants of this land these priests however corrupted their ways before God and were not able to bring the chosen by God land to peace and consequently were not able to bring peace to the citizens of the land and then God commanded the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar to destroy the temple, to take captive the nation of Israel, and take them to Babylon so that they be servants to his sons until the time of the rule of the Persian king, until the words of the Lord are fulfilled, spoken by prophet Jeremiah, the land finishes enjoying all of her Sabbaths. And in the fifth month, on the seventh day of the month, which was the 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, a servant of the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. He burned the house of the Lord and the king's house. And the king's house was uh, King Jehoiakim. All the houses of Jerusalem, that is, all the houses of the great, he burned with fire. 2 Kings 25, 8, 9. Considering that the law of Moses 
in the service that was done in the temple and all the events linked to Israel representing the future and the shadow of good things to come and not an image of the items themselves, we need to ask the question, what things do we need to understand about the destruction of the Temple of Solomon, the existence of which deprived the chosen by God land promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants by faith to enjoy her Sabbaths? or its peace in the resurrection of Christ? What do we need to understand about the image of the tree of life in the element of the fruit of the fifth month in the fruit of our spirit, giving the chosen by God land the ability to enjoy her Sabbaths? <coughs> Third, who is Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar within our body? who were enforcers of the will of God in Israel and who trembled before him before his holy prophets. Fourth, what is the significance of the time frame of 70 years necessary for celebrating the Sabbaths by the promise uh, promised by God land to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and his descendants by faith? We need to keep in mind that if we will be studying these events independent of our body and independent of our partaking to the body of Christ in the form of the chosen by God remnant, then this study will not benefit us in any way. When people read this in churches as an event, if we don't apply it to ourselves, it will not benefit us. If we don't see this event with all of its individuals within our body. And second, if we will not do this, we will immediately go in an unfaithful direction away from the truth or the path of truth called to lead us to perfection which our Heavenly Father possesses. All of the events that are in Scripture are called to bring us to perfection. They're not just written as historical records or stories. They are written as activity or action that needs to take place within our lives. And then it will be impossible to produce the fruit of righteousness to God in the form of the fruit of the tree of life in the fifth month, which can make itself known in our land in 70 years of celebrating her Sabbaths, which implies the redemption of our body. <coughs> Therefore, we will <coughs> be studying an element of the fruit of the Spirit produced by the tree of life within the fifth month of the holy year in the 70 years of celebrating the Sabbath by the chosen by God land to celebrate them it was necessary to destroy, as we know, the Temple of Solomon. Relevant to this, we already studied the first question, what things do we need to understand about the destruction of the Temple of Solomon within our body, the existence of which did not allow the chosen by God land within our body to enjoy her Sabbaths. <clears throat> and that is, enjoy her Sabbaths, that is, enter into God's peace. The thing is that originally the Temple of Solomon with its legislation represented the image of the service of condemnation which gave power to governing sin in the form of our old person which represents within our body the programmable system of the fallen cherubim as it is written the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law 1 Corinthians 15:56 Therefore, until the service of condemnation will be abolished within our body by destroying the Temple of Solomon, representing the image of the stronghold of death within our body in the form of the given law of Moses, which reveals sin within our body, the given law of Moses, which reveals sin within our body and gives power to this sin, allowing it to govern 
allowing it to govern over us in the form of our old person, passed on to us by the sinful seed of our father under these circumstances, the soil of our heart, presented in the image of the chosen by God land, will not be able to celebrate its Sabbaths, presented in the oath promises of God for our body. Based on the given information, we have been studying the image of the Temple of Solomon within our body as the state of our heart, placed in dependence of the law of Moses, or being under the guard of the law of Moses. While we are infants in Christ, while we're carnal, if we don't come out of spiritual infancy, we are under the guard of the law of Moses, which reveals sin within our body and gives power to this sin, which is why we are not able to overcome this sin within ourselves in the format of these corrupt desires, thoughts within our body, this hunger to to get rich, thinking that money will answer everything or resolve everything. At the same time, we have been studying the destruction of the Temple of Solomon as the wiping out of the handwriting of requirements that was against us by the teaching of Christ which he took out of the way and nailed it to the cross. But he does this only after we leave spiritual infancy. Only after does this promise come. It nails to the cross what was against us, but while we're still in spiritual infancy, all of this continues to work against us. We are still under the guard of the law of Moses. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. In Jesus Christ we are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sin of the flesh. When we cast off of ourselves our flesh, we're casting off by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your trespasses, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Colossians 2, 11 through 15. Second question, what do we need to understand about the image of the tree of life, producing its fruit in the fifth month, the fruit of our spirit, giving the chosen by God land the ability to enjoy her Sabbaths for 70 years? The phenomenon of the tree of life is first found in the Holy Scriptures after God created man. With the introduction of the tree of life, as well as the other trees of the Garden of Eden, including the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, were a conscious and voluntary collaboration of man with God. Because God could not do anything without man. He had bound himself with his own words. He said, let us make man in our image and likeness. And may he have dominion on the earth as we have dominion in heaven. And so with these words God spoke, God had limited himself. And so God no longer can do anything with man, for man, on this earth, if man will not collaborate with him. But for this, a man needs to be in the likeness of God. Not a carnal person, but a spiritual person is able to collaborate with God. And in this collaboration with God, strictly differentiating God's role and man's role, God sends man the seed of the word in the form of the seed of every kind 
every kind of fruit-bearing tree, including the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he sends the seed when we listen to the preached word of his, of his messengers, who at the time for the first man was the Holy Spirit <clears throat> for Adam and Eve. <clears throat> he gave the uh, name person or human to uh, Eve and Adam. But, and only after she bore her son did she receive the name uh, that she received. And for them, the messenger of God was the Holy Spirit, as there were no other people on the earth. For Eve, there was a messenger. It was Adam. But for Adam, it was the Holy Spirit, as there were no other people. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. And only after he created man, he formed man out of the dust, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden and there he put the man whom he had formed. Why does not, does not, does it not say that uh, he created the garden with man? Um, and the reason is because uh, it's typically, as with other places of scripture, you'll notice uh, that David overcame hundred, hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands. Uh, but it wasn't just David. It would be accompanied with his soldiers. Together with his soldiers, he overcame. And so he who bore Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Abraham bore Isaac, Isaac bore Jacob. But, of course, it wasn't them directly that were bearing these children. It was their wives. But as Abraham was the head, uh, it's it, it was the same thing here. God is head, and beca- and when it says that the Lord planted uh, the garden uh, eastward in Eden, uh, he, God was doing it together with Adam, so that they had to collaborate with one another. And after the planting of the Garden of Eden, God places uh, then that person. Uh, to live there, to be there. It is a place where he will have fellowship with him and he will communicate with this person not just anywhere on the earth in any place but to worship God, to meet with God, he will need to come into this garden to this location, to this place. And out of the ground of the out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grown that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So Genesis 2, 7 through 9. First, the phrase, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden indicates the fact that before God collaborated with man to plant the garden or paradise eastward in Eden, first, this place already existed on earth, and second, this place was was a holiness to the Lord selected by God for uh, from the general land and general territories. Therefore, the east side of Eden, where the garden was planted, is a symbol of our conscience, called to be the throne of judgment, to perform the righteousness of God in His justice, presenting the image of the elementary teaching of Christ about the eternal judgment reflected in the will of God, His good, acceptable, and perfect will. Although in the third day of the creation of God, 
With his word, he already commanded the earth to bring forth grass, herb, seed for planting, and every uh, fruit tree bearing its fruit according to its kind, in which is its seed on the earth, the land of Eden, in the east, for specific reasons, remained an empty field. God did not grow anything there. Only when he created Adam, only then he with Adam and Eve, because Adam and the the word uh, uh, person or human is Adam. Uh, that is a person from uh, or a red person. His skin was not the first person. His skin was not uh, uh, lighter or darker. It was a red color. He was made of red clay. This is a clay that has uh, very valuable minerals, and it is very much in desire today. And when they find uh, animals and birds, uh, they literally eat this red clay. I see how birds come together and eat this red clay, and as soon as uh, monkeys or other animals, whenever they discover this red clay, it is very, very uh, beneficial, and so it's very valuable with uh, minerals. Our body consists of minerals. Creating man from the dust of the earth, when it, the, du- the word dust, and that is from living, uh, from a living uh, uh, earth. And so when he said, let there be light, and there was light, but as we know that the sun, moon, and stars were created in a different uh, day, uh, when he said, let there be light, that means let there be resurrection, and he he brought forth life. He breathed life into the mineral world. And <clears throat> and in uh, the layer, the top layer of the earth, there's lots of, la- uh, lots of minerals. And he created man out of the minerals of the red clay. And then he breathed uh, life into his nostrils and he became a living being. <clears throat> and so when a person dies, he falls apart in, uh, in these, into these minerals, into this dust. But it's eternal. We need to understand that it's eternal. This dust uh, is not uh, able to be destroyed. It's eternal. Specifically, this dust that remains from our body, the uh, the saints uh, in them is the element of resurrection, our DNA. And God will speak to our DNA, and he will resurrect our dust not someone else's and not other bodies will he give us from this very body that has fallen apart in its uh, uh, primary elements he will resurrect it those who died in faith having not yet received the promise of course those who remain until the time uh, for this for the rapture to to have or to, for the renewing of our body these people will not see death but first those will resurrect and they, in their changed bodies, will come and visit us. I don't know who will come and visit me, my parents, or who, or one of the apostles, or saints that may be that were buried personally here. Uh, they'll come, and likely many will come. And then we, who remain, who are still alive, 
will be transformed in the in the blink of an eye and will become like they are. And for a specific amount of time, we still will be here on earth until God calls us to heaven. We will be on earth and this will be the greatest evangelism. These people will be a, a fear uh, to the world. They will be horrified. The kings will say they've never been told who were these people. These people were nothing today as, but today they're so wise. And if you gather all the philosophers of the world, then one of these people will know more than all of them combined. They will overcome, they will take hold of all of the economy and it will end up in their hands. Just as Israel uh, took hold of the entire economical system of Egypt and took it out with them. Symbolically, of course, we're talking. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, so there was evening and morning were the third day. Genesis 1, 11 through 13. And only in the fourth day does he create the sun, moon, and stars. Second, considering that the earth was quite expansive, God created man with a uniqueness and need to have a specific place to live, which can be a house of God, the place where God would be able to communicate with man. It wasn't just a house for man, but would be also a house for God where uh, God would be able to communicate with this man. This is a symbol of our spirit, our heart. Because God created man with a sovereign right to rule over the created by him world over which man was called to govern, just as God governs heaven, therefore God consciously limited himself within the boundaries of the created by him land so that in his sovereignty man would be able to govern the earth just as God governs the heavens, as it is written. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness that, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Genesis 1, through 28. As much as we know, the rule of God in heaven consists in him ruling or governing the heavens with, within the parameters of the spoken by him word, which is law for all heaven dwellers in the form of the created by him angels, and first is a law for God himself. So that we understand God is also under his law and he rules the heavens, he governs the heavens within the parameters of his own law that he has placed. As soon as the word of God comes out of God's mouth, it becomes God a law for him himself first. And furthermore, a person is called to rule the earth and govern over the earth within the parameters of the implemented by God word exalted as a command of God 
because of his spoken word when it comes to the sovereignty and the rights of man on earth which became law first to god himself god was no longer able to intervene in the life of man and his jurisdiction to rule the earth until man himself asks him for this upon the grounds of the of his powerful word implemented by him for man in the form of his law because of this law forming or building a sovereign relationship between god and man god was not able to make man clothe clothing of skins or to clothe him into these uh, skins if man is not if, if man would not have asked him for this upon his strict conditions to not violate his sovereign rights also for adam and his wife the lord god made tunics of skin and clothed them then the lord said god said behold the man has become like one of us to know good and evil and now lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever therefore the lord god sent him out of the garden of eden till the ground to till the ground from which he was taken he lost his fellowship with god so he drove out the man and so to have this fellowship with god he needed to till the ground so that he can again regrow all of these promises he lost the garden and everything that was in it so he drove out the, the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden. East is the conscience, symbol of the conscience, judgment in man. What is east uh, of the Garden of Eden? Because the teaching of the east is the teaching of judgment, the good, acceptable, and perfect will. And so east is our symbolically our conscience. And God placed there cherubims at the east of the garden of eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life and so the angel the uh, flaming sword this law of god in our conscience and this law protects the way guards the way uh to the to the tree of life until he himself becomes this uh, fruit Genesis 3, 21 through 24. The reason God was careful that Adam not stretch out his hand and eat of the fruit of the tree of life. Some uh, evil people say that, see, uh, the devil truly understood that God was afraid that man would become like one, uh, that man would become like him. It wasn't that. It was because uh, he was careful that Adam not stretch out his hand and eat of the tree, uh, fruit of the tree of life because of his love for Adam and he did not want to lose him and so that is why he drove him out of the Garden of Eden until he grows is grown into full measure of growth in Christ and does not uh, plant in the Eden of his heart in the East again a garden with all of these promises of God and does not plant there a tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and this tree of the knowledge of good and evil is <clears throat> that tithe and offering that with which we honor God which is within our possession but is what is holy to the Lord when we plant all of this then we will have our Eden a place where we have fellowship with God therefore garments of skin symbolizing Christ who died for him and resurrected first they were for Adam the redemption of his spirit, soul, and body from sin and death, and second, <clears throat> and so it was because he died to God when he ate of the forbidden fruit, and second, garments of skin representing the redemption of Adam from sin and death, 
was for Adam, as well as for us, the seed of the kingdom of heaven, in the format of the deposit of our justification, which we are called to sow. And so when God gives us salvation in these skin garments, in justification, this is a deposit of justification which we need to grow. But to grow the seed, we need the seed to die. And when we receive the seed of the kingdom of heaven inside of us, we ourselves become the seed. <clears throat> it's not possible that the seed die in us and we remain alive. No, we die together with that seed. And when we rise again, we rise in the seed in a new form. Only then does the life of God come. Yeah, in the seed, there's a program. But to <clears throat> activate that program, you need that seed to die so that we in the death of the Lord Jesus die. We are called to sow <clears throat> into the good soil of our heart, the seed, so we can grow it into a tree of life. So we can grow ourselves into a tree of life. And in this way, turn the silver of our salvation into profit so that we can obtain it as our own personal possession. You receive it as your personal possession when you save your soul and your body. Only then do you receive salvation as a personal possession. Therefore, we need to understand and study the symbol of the Garden of Eden in the East. Again, as we're just reiterating here, as the good soil of our heart, or the good soil of the heart of man, consisting in the aspect of the good conscience of man, born from the seed of the word of truth, which, like on a seal, the legislation of God is imprinted in the form of the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. <clears throat> Due to this fact, fellowship between God and man was called to happen by the means of the Holy Spirit who works in man within the boundaries of the truth of the elementary teaching of Christ, concealed within the heart of man because of his collaboration with the preached word of truth. Therefore, the chosen by God land in the form of the Garden of Eden in the east, in the soil of the good heart of a man, cleansed from dead works in which the kingdom of heaven abides in the form of the grown in it tree of life. And so in scripture, the tree of life, which is grown by man in the good soil of his heart, which produces its fruit 12 times a year, is presented in man in the following components. First, in the kingdom of heaven or in the kingdom of God inside of us. Second, in the fruit of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit in leaven of the kingdom of heaven hidden into three measures of meal. And so leaven can be <clears throat> a leaven of sin and could be a leaven of righteousness depending on the type of leaven we put. If we put the leaven of sin, it will <clears throat> tr transform the entire lump into sin. But if we put the leaven of, of righteousness, it will transform the entire lump into righteousness. In the poverty of our spirit, in our in our gentle or meek tongue, in the wisdom of our heart and renewed mind, in the hope of our trust, in the fruit of righteousness, which with wisdom wins souls in growing the mustard seed sown in your field. The mustard seed is obeying our faith to the faith of God. In following the commandments of the Lord, in grace which reigns through the righteousness of our heart, in the quality of children, the kingdom of heaven is in the quality of children. And so all of these 12, they 
are united and they are blended into one another. They can't work with one, one without the other. They are in equal portions. They're proportionate within us and they confirm the truthfulness of one the other. And this is not the full list of qualities of the tree of life by which we need to examine ourselves as to whether it abides within the Eden of our heart in the form of the kingdom of heaven. But to confirm the given components in scripture, we will look at them within specific places of scripture by which we will be able to examine ourselves as to whether we have grown the tree of life within the good soil of our heart. First, the tree of life in the fruit of our spirit is identified in the image of the kingdom of heaven in the format of the treasure concealed in the field of our body because a field is always our body or the soil of our heart and our body. And so we discover this kingdom of heaven within our body and we discover it because we searched for it and then we hide it and because of the joy that we because of the joy of finding it we go and sell all that we have and purchase that field which provides uh, then grounds for the good soil of our heart to celebrate or enjoy our Sabbaths and so because of the treasure that we found that belongs to our body it provides grounds for the good soil of our heart to celebrate or enjoy its Sabbaths again the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man is Found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Matthew 13:44. And so, a treasure is a promise, or the kingdom of heaven, or a promise for our body. And when we accept this promise and we uh, discover it, for this promise to be taken, you can't just take it. You need to you need to sell all that you have and obtain the field because this promise is given for the body you can't separately obtain it you obtain it together with the field together with the body you obtain your body with the kingdom of heaven you can't obtain the kingdom of heaven independent of your body the kingdom of heaven together with your body because the body is the house of God when God created man he created him for himself he created a house for himself God is spirit God is not in a body Jesus was in the body but the Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit they don't have a body and so he creates for himself a body and this body is the person he's created and that's in his likeness and when a person discovers this treasure of the kingdom of heaven for his body he purchases this field he sells all that he has who will not uh, not sell all that he has if he does not lose everything he has can't be my disciple if he does not take up his cross and follow me and so to sell all that you have to lose all you have is to obtain the tree of life and so that's when we are able to enjoy our Sabbaths when we receive the promise for our body then within our heart we are already celebrating these Sabbaths in the soil of our heart the time will come uh, also when we will start celebrating them in our body as well second the tree of life and the fruit of our spirit is identified in the image of the kingdom of heaven 
in the format of the fruit of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, which allows the good soil of our heart to celebrate or enjoy our Sabbaths. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Romans 14, 17, 18. <clears throat> when it says, uh, seek Uh, the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. It's an inaccurate, inaccurate translation. Uh, they use the wrong word and. In the original, there's no and. Uh, they, they, there are specific words that don't exist uh, uh, in, in the Greek language. And so <clears throat> when you study the language, you need to start uh, adding words to to make up the meaning of what is written and so sometimes you have to add specific words and if the kingdom of heaven is not eating and drinking but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit then seek the kingdom of heaven in his righteousness since it is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit you can't seek the kingdom of heaven and righteousness separately you seek the kingdom of heaven in his righteousness. And all the rest, all materialistic wealth, will be as a free addition to you. You won't need to think about it and uh, worry about it. What will I do if right now, economically, something happens? The dollar becomes without value, or the euro, or the ruble. If the ruble Actually, the ruble became one of the most uh, uh, valuable currency, actually, in the world. And so the dollar, for example, it actually has become immeasurable and so and that's all over the face of the world except for Russia don't be afraid God for his people he will give to them and even if uh, there's a devaluation we have the word of God that with which we will be living third the tree of life in the fruit of our spirit is identified in leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal in our essence which provides the good soil of our heart legitimate grounds uh, upon which to celebrate or enjoy our Sabbaths. And so this is when the kingdom of heaven will not just captivate our spirit, uh, but the kingdom of heaven will uh, reign, it reigns in our spirit through righteousness when we perform righteousness and it begins to reign, to rule within us. And so for all of this to happen. Another parable he spoke to them, the kingdom of heaven is, is like leaven. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables and without a parable he did not speak to them that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying I will open my mouth in parables I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world Matthew 13 33 through 35 sometimes people complained against me saying 
why is it you preach uh, love and a sin? I say, yeah, it, it is a sin in certain cases, and in another uh, case, it is righteousness. A lion, in certain cases, it was uh, Satan, and in another situation, a lion was Jesus Christ. And so, the same animal is presented in different kinds of, uh, in different forms, images. In the church, it was mainly always, uh, leaven was always a symbol of sin. Uh, but actually, it can be righteousness that will leaven the spirit, soul, and body. And our soul and body are leavened when uh, grace will reign through righteousness in us. Fourth, the tree of life and the fruit of our spirit is identified in the poverty of our broken spirit, which provides the good soil of our heart with legitimate grounds to celebrate or enjoy our Sabbaths. We find rest and we celebrate our Sabbaths. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5, 3. What is the poor in spirit? This is a person who has denied everything and considers it as nothing so he can obtain Christ. And when you deny everything and you die through the law for the law, when you die for your nation, the house of your father, and for your destructive desires, then you become poor. You have nothing to rely upon. And when God sees this poverty, it is precious in his eyes. And he says, now for you is the kingdom of heaven. This is that tree of life where you can't, no longer will trust upon your own personal wealth or your or your intellect or your uh, connections in the world, you die for all those connections. You die in such a way that you no longer can go to this person and say, help me in this and this. Yes, you have these connections, but you die for them. Why? So that you can obtain Christ. When God sees that you have nothing to trust in, and only He remains, only then does He show you the kingdom of heaven. But while you have something, uh, a religious experience, some kind of intelligence, some kind of connections, and you say, Lord, help me, He will not lift a finger because we still have trust in something or someone. Fifth, the tree of life and the fruit of our spirit is identified in the gentleness or meekness of our of our heart, which demonstrates itself in the gentleness or meekness of our tongue, which provides the good soil of our heart, the legitimate grounds upon which to celebrate or enjoy its Sabbaths. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. As a disciplined tongue by the truth that's in the heart, and when you discipline it with the truth in your heart, and you won't say what is not the truth in your heart you will not say what what you will not speak the things that are not truth in your heart then this will allow us to enjoy our sabbaths amen let us bend our knees and pray and i ask everyone to everyone who has received the word of god into their heart who needs to confess their sins, confess their fears because of the economical uh, changes, hunger or illness or untimely death or any other types of fears so that God can free you from these fears 
from these illnesses, from the horror that is uh, capturing the whole world, that is attacking the world. He wants us to be joyful and free and have within our heart the tree of life. Amen. May the Lord bless us. We wait for you here at the altar. I'm going to be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is on your side. He's not against you. Although you have sinned, you may have fear. He loves you and he sees that you're righteous. He, because you've received justification freely by grace in Jesus Christ, you've received justification not because of your own good works, but because of what Jesus has done. That's why God begins to and continues to see you as righteous, although you may have fallen into sin. He says the righteous may fall seven times but rise again. And so right now we have the opportunity to restore ourselves in this righteousness. Close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to God as a sign that your hands are without wrath or doubt. And so pray together with me, Heavenly Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you upon this holy place, the church of your nation, your chosen nation. I open my heart so that you may see my pain, my suffering, my wounds, so that you may heal them <clears throat> with your balm. I hate sin. I hate the controlling spirit in me. I hate the corrupt desires within me. I hate deception, jealousy. <clears throat> I reject all of this. Wash me. Cleanse me. Heal me. I accept, <clears throat> according to your word, into my heart, my justification, my healing my salvation <clears throat> and right now before heaven and hell I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words I am washed I am cleansed I am healed I am restored I am justified and I am saved your sins are forgiven 
and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May upon you the promises of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills be May this be upon you and your children and be fulfilled upon you and the nation shall say, Amen. May the Lord confirm within the heart of every one of us that word that we just heard, that forgiveness, that justification that we heard, that restoration because the Lord right now restored every one of us. Even though we came here with pain, with my, our sins, with our imperfections, and today, in a miraculous way, the Lord has restored and freed every one of us. You, again, are pure before the Lord's face, and He does not see before His face your sins, regardless of what you may feel or may still know. The Lord, according to His Word, has the ability to blot out our sins before His face, and so when they come to memory at this time, they come before God, but not from his memory, but Satan brings it to him and says, Lord, uh, uh, says, see, look. And so that is the same thing with us. He brings it to our memory. And so when this thought comes, say, the Lord lives before whom I stand. I am justified. My sins are blotted out. And when you proclaim this, the Lord tells Satan, be gone from here. And he shows him a clean book, saying, look, there's nothing here of what you say. It's blotted out. If we with our mouth will not confess the faith of our heart, God won't be able to do anything for us. Continue to count yourself dead to sin and living for God. The scriptures say count. You may not be yet, but count yourself dead to sin and living for God and proclaim the faith of your heart. Proclaim the not existent stronghold of incorruption within your body as existent and the God of peace will be with you. And let us proclaim now our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever Amen <laughs>